that army has been told, we've been told about that army that in the end we're going to ride back with the king of kings and the lord of lords who will be uh, coming back to this earth on a white horse and out of his mouth will go forth a sharp sword and every enemy that ever opposed the, the Christians is going to be vanquished. We have victory in the end. Sometimes I realize I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> that trumpet is not nearly as easy to play as it used to be. Well, here we are. Veterans Day 2002. And would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. I've entitled my sermon this morning, Then and Now, and as we go through the sermon, I think you'll understand the, uh, the appropriateness of that title. But John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Before we begin, I'm going to ask us to pray together. Lord, I do want to thank you for the blessings that we know in this country. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to honor those who serve, but Lord, thank you to, for realizing that uh, we are in a great army, the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. We belong to you, and Lord, we pray that we would be faithful to you, that we would be persevering, that we would be diligent in our service to you. Lord, I pray you would help us to know what your uh, assigned MOS is for each of us, that we might know the duty that you've given to us, and then to know the, the privilege that we have of serving as you've called us to serve. We thank you, Lord, for each person here today. We ask you now to quiet our hearts, help us to hear from your word and understand it, and be blessed by it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did this? Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. Blind from birth. That was the fate of the man who sat by the wayside. That was the man Jesus saw as he was passing by. But this man for his, his, his entire life, and we don't really know how old he was, but from the day he was born, uh, this man never saw his parents. He never saw his brothers and sisters, never knew the face of his friends, never saw a sunrise or a sunset. Um, he was blind from birth. His parents could see. Others around him could see. But this poor man came into the world through a natural birth process. 
which rendered his outside world total darkness, blind from birth. Now, the social programs and the government aid that we know about today were not available to him then. He was on his own every day asking for money or begging for food. In that culture, this wretched man had very little hope for prosperity or for success. But in this particular day, something happened that would change his life forever. The Bible says that when Jesus walked by, he saw this man sitting there by the wayside. The disciples saw the man too. And they turned to Jesus and said, whose fault is it that this man is blind? Is it his parents? Did they sin? Did this man sin? And now God is punishing him somehow. And Jesus said, no, the fault is not with somebody who sinned or did something wrong. The fact is that God has a special purpose for this particular man in this particular place in order for you to understand, Jesus, who I am. I am the light of the world. Now, what Jesus does next doesn't really follow any particular medical procedures. What he does next is not something that would be prescribed by an ophthalmologist or or an eye doctor or someone who's associated with medicine. Not at all. Verse 6 said, When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, and he made clay out of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is, by interpretation, sent. So Jesus spits on the ground. He makes a compress of some sort, uh, a mixture of his spittle with the clay and the dirt on the ground. And then he puts that mixture on this blind man's eyes and says, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, I can imagine this man working and walking his way through the streets in darkness, uh, the streets of Jerusalem. Um, He feels his way in the darkness. And I'm wondering what he's thinking as he makes his way towards the pool of Siloam. What might he be thinking? Was this Jesus, a quack doctor who, who offers another baseless hope and promise for a cure? Was Jesus some kind of a tormentor who only meant to taunt him and to make his uh, miserable condition even worse? But he goes. He continues his way. And finally, he comes near to the pool. He feels his way to the side of the bank. He steps into the edge of the water. He reaches down his hand to lift up water to his gritty eyes. He splashes and douses his eyes. And then he wipes the wet drops away from his eyes. I I just want to stop here for a moment. Because something miraculous is just about to happen. We're standing on the edge of a miracle. When he opens his eyes, in that instant, the light of the world comes flooding through once useless eyes. In the pool, he sees his reflected image for the very first time. He was blind from birth. That was then. But now, now he sees. As you might expect, of course, the religious leaders were offended by all of this. Because Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath. 
So they said, they concluded that Jesus, therefore, must be a sinner. So verse 24. Then again, they called the man that was blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or not, I know not. But this I know for sure. A critical event just took place in my life. Once I was blind, then... Now I see. Each of us has experienced life-changing events in our lifetimes. Today we remember the veterans. Um, But you know that there was a time in the life of every veteran that he was not a veteran. We were all born into this world as civilians. Maybe your father was a veteran. My dad served in the army during World War II. But the fact that our parents were veterans uh, does not make it true that I'm a veteran or a soldier. I used to get excited about the military parades and convoys living near Indian Town Gap. I loved to watch the military helicopters coming and going from the gap. Soldiers were my heroes. Back then, in my youth, I was not a soldier and I was not a veteran. Now, I am. Do you remember, veterans, do you remember the day that you joined the armed forces? I do. I'll never forget. I walked in the Marine Corps recruiter's office and I said, I want to become a Marine. And so, he gladly accommodated. He took me to Harrisburg to the MEPS station. I was in a room with probably several dozen other young men. And eventually, after the physicals and all of that, eventually I was there with my right hand in the air. I concluded an oath with this statement. So help me... Now hold it for a second. I'm a civilian. I walk into the MEP station as a civilian. I go through all the physicals and all the preparation, and I get to this place in the oath where I have my hand in the air, and I say, so help me God. Now I'm a Marine. It happened like that. I went into the MEP station as a civilian, and I came out of that station as a Marine with all the benefits and the privileges and the responsibilities that go with it. Let me speak about another instant in my life when the rest of my life was forever changed. There was a time in my life when I was not married. So... You say you seem surprised by that. Now, my mom and dad were married. Um, but, you know, the fact that they were married didn't make me married. There are some traits that just don't carry over g- genetically. I had some things about me that looked my, like my parents, maybe the dark hair and the eyes and so forth. I had physical features, but the marriage gene just doesn't carry over. I came into this world in a natural way, alone, without a wedding ring. <laughs> I was a baby without a wife. That's how we all came into the world. I was blessed to be born into a family where the marriage was considered sacred. My concept of marriage and its responsibilities uh, goes back to what I saw in my own family. Um, Marriage and the concept of marriage was shaped by my parents. But in my youth, I grew up all alone without a wife. Back then, I was not married. But now, now I am. 
you remember the day that you were married? You better. <laughs> I do. It was at 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, September 20th, 1969. I walked through the doors of the Northmoreland Baptist Church. I was a single man. I walked to the front of the church. I took my place there in front of the church. And soon the wedding, uh, the organist was playing the wedding march. And then this stunningly beautiful single lady came from the back of the church, came forward to stand by me. And there before God and a company of witnesses, we made a vow. And the preacher said this, by the authority vested in me by the state of Pennsylvania, and as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I now pronounce you, stop for a moment. I'm a single person. Ellen's a single lady. We're standing there together. But there comes a time when the pastor says, I now pronounce you man and wife. Now we're married. By the way, there's a story that goes with it. Ellen claims it's true, but I don't remember anything about it. Uh, we, we helped each other with our marriage vows. You know, we practiced. Uh, you know, I helped her and she helped me. And we, we learned to know each other's vows pretty well. And when did you know it? I said, I promise to love, honor, cherish, and obey until death parts us. I got mixed up. But, but that's the way Ellen tells the story. I, I guess I'll have to go with that. But when the preacher said, I now pronounce you man and wife, that's when it happened. That was the critical moment in our lives. We both entered the church as single individuals. 20 minutes later, we walked out at a moment in time became one with all the benefits and the responsibilities that married couples enjoy. Now there's one more then and now event that I want to tell you about. There was a time in my life when I was not a Christian. I was born into the world as a natural in the natural way. I was a sinner from birth. I was lost in my youth. I had every propensity to go in the wrong direction, just given the chance. Now, thankfully, my parents knew something about the wayward nature of children. And um, through their discipline and training and example, they kept most of us in a fairly straight path. They took us to church faithfully. In those days, I conscientiously filled out those blanks in the Sunday school quarterlies. Y'all remember the Sunday school quarterlies? Every quarter we get a little booklet and it, it, it had the lesson, but, but, but the students were responsible to fill out the lines and the blanks in the lesson. And I did that conscientiously. That was sort of a dutiful thing that I had to do. So um, we had prayer meeting in those days. And in our prayer meetings, we would kneel in, kneel. We would kneel in the front of our pews and spend about a half hour either praying or singing together. Each Sunday, there were three of us trumpeters who would stand on the front steps of the Bethel Evangelical United Brethren Church. We faced the community, and we played a song called The Little Brown Church in the Vale. Except our song leader named it The Little White Church Near Lickdale. And so, <laughs> but those were good years, informative years, 
But I say again that despite my interest and participation in church activities, then I was not a Christian, but now I am. In John chapter 9, when the water from the pool of Siloam touched the blind man's eyes, that was a significant moment in his life. He could thereafter proclaim with certainty, once I was blind, now I see. Veterans, you remember, I'm sure, very clearly, when you took the oath that transformed you from a civilian to a member of the armed forces. You look back, maybe look at your DD-214, but you can proclaim with certainty that you are a veteran of the branch of service in which you serve. That's clear to you. You can say for sure. I know the husbands and wives can uh, proclaim with certainty that once I was single, now I'm married. And you have a marriage certificate on your wall at home. It proves that you were married. So you can say with certainty, now I'm married. And uh, I remember the day when we promised to love, honor, and cherish each other until death parts us. There's no doubt that we're married. Let me ask you this. Can you proclaim that with that certainty that you are a Christian? Are you as certain that you are a Christian as you are that you're married? Are you as certain that you are a Christian as you are that you served once in the armed forces? Would you turn now in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2. Back in 1960, I went to a church camp. And uh, on one particular evening, I went into the tabernacle for a gospel service. I entered in my youthful, natural condition. I was a sinner. But I entered the tabernacle that night. And Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, as you follow along, Paul says that then we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Paul says that then we walked according to the course of this world. Then we were controlled by the spirit of disobedience. Then we lived according to the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Then we were by nature the children of wrath. And I got to tell you, I wasn't a real bad kid when I was little. I really wasn't. Um, I did get in trouble here and there, but I wasn't this bad, was I? Yes, I was. Without Jesus Christ, this is the condition of every unsaved person. Then, 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 all of these conditions describe the person without Jesus Christ. Then we were by nature the children of wrath, verse 4, but God. But God. Those words remind us that however bad our past was, Whatever problems we had in the past, however deep the hole was that we dug for ourselves, however hopeless the future looked, but then God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, that was then, he has quickened us together with Christ. That's now. He has 
He has raised us up together. He has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Are you a believer today, and can you proclaim with certainty that one day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. One day I confessed my sins. One day I acknowledged that I needed a Savior. One day I prayed the sinner's prayer and Jesus Christ came into my life. And I know for sure that I'm saved. The blind man knew for sure when he opened his eyes and saw the world for the very first time. Once I was blind, he says, but now I see. And he told the Pharisees, he said, I don't know who the man was who did it. I didn't get his name. And I don't know how he did it. And you keep questioning me about who did it and why did he do it on the Sabbath. The man said, none of that is important to me. Here's what I know. A critical event took place in my life. Once I was blind, now I can see. And I can say that for sure. Can you be that sure that you have given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Back in the summer of 1960... I walked into the tabernacle as a sinner, as an enemy of God, and alienated from God. But that night, there was a transformation in my life. Just as the blind man knew he could see, just as the, uh, uh, just as the, uh, uh, the, the veteran knew that when he went into the recruitment center, he came out saying the oath of office, and he was a member of the armed forces. Just as you knew that when you walked down the aisle and the preacher pronounced you man and wife, you knew that you were now married and one in your relationship. That night, I joined the ranks of the redeemed. That night, I was issued the armor of God. I took on the breastplate of righteousness. I took on the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. That night I became a Christian soldier and that I can proclaim with great certainty. I just want to ask you again, can you be that certain that you have made a change in your life? Because when Jesus comes in, he makes you a brand new creature. Some of us are still living in the then Jesus Christ wants to transform us and make it now. Then we were enemies and aliens, alienated from God. But now in Christ Jesus, we have made one with Jesus Christ. Members of the army of the Lord Jesus, uh, a victorious army, and an army that is going to experience God's profound and good leadership throughout all of our lives and throughout all of eternity. Can you say with certainty that you are saved? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I, I want to stop now just to reflect on uh, what has happened in so many of our lives. Those decisive moments when something happened and made a difference for the rest of our lives. Lord, sometimes the change that took place was not a positive change. Sometimes... Uh, you brought uh, disaster into people's lives to somehow 
uh, help them to understand that, uh, that uh, they, they need you. They need to know who you are. They need to rely on your strength and your power. Uh, Lord, this man who was born blind, it was not his fault. But, uh, Lord, you had a purpose in what he went through. And that purpose was to demonstrate that Jesus is the light of the world. And so, our Father, we, we thank you that whatever changes have come into our lives, we pray that we might uh, understand that uh, these are not out of your control, that we can turn to you and find grace to help in our time of need. We uh, thank you for each person here this morning, and we pray that each of us would give due consideration uh, to the state of our salvation, to know that whatever we were then, now we belong to Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a song.